Hey there, Summit Church family. This is our Sunday, April 19th service. And you know, it's been five weeks since I've seen you in person. And I want you to know, I mean, it seems like forever. Uh, I want you to know I miss you. And I cannot wait to see you again. And hopefully it will be sooner rather than later. You know, uh, last, last Sunday was Easter. And uh, we celebrated the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And you know, uh, that's the most. Those are the most significant events of all time: his his death on the cross, his burial and resurrection. But you know, on the day uh, that Jesus was raised from the dead, and for the next several days, many many days, uh, I guess approximately forty days. He made appearances to his disciples. And today, uh, for our Sunday service, I want to look at four of his post-resurrection appearances as found in John's gospel account, because they address four great enemies of the human heart, those being sorrow, fear, doubt, and worry. And you know those are enemies of the human heart. So let's let's uh, look at his post-resurrection appearances and how these enemies of the heart were dealt with. Let's go to John chapter 20. John chapter 20. And notice his first post-resurrection appearance. He deals with sorrow. He deals with sorrow. And I'm going to read some verses, and you can read along with me if you like. John chapter 20 starting in verse 11. It says, but Mary, and this is talking about Mary Magdalene, she stood outside the tomb weeping. Notice that she's weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. And and she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus was laying. Uh, Then they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Now, when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus there and did not know that it was him. And Jesus said to her, now notice what he said, woman, why are you weeping? Notice the angels asked her that. And then the Lord asked her that as well. He said, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him as she recognized who he was. And she said, you know, teacher. Now, we need to understand who this woman really was, Mary Magdalene. You know, she was once under the control of seven seven demons. Just think about that. She was a demon-possessed woman when Jesus first met her. Demon-possessed, had seven demons in her, and Jesus freed her from that demonic power. And as a result, she committed her life in service to him. But now her Lord had been crucified And to further add to her sorrow, his body was now missing. Her heart was broken, 
and filled with sorrow. Sorrow had gripped her and her grief was overbearing. You know, all of us have been there at one time or another in the midst of great sorrow, the worst of which is the death of a loved one. And, you know, when that happens, you think of all the good times you shared with that person that that has passed away. You think of how they've helped you and blessed you. And this was, of course, the case with Mary and Jesus. He had helped her wonderfully. And now, of course, she's in deep sorrow. You know, many in the world today have little to no hope. Their hearts are troubled, filled with much sorrow over over many different things. You know, tens of thousands have lost loved ones due to the coronavirus right here in the United States. And that's so tragic. And there's so much sorrow at this time. But in a moment of time, because of the resurrection, Mary's great sorrow was turned into great joy as the resurrected Christ stood before her. In the midst of her sorrow, the Lord asked her a question, as we already pointed out. The angels asked the same thing to her. Why do you weep? You know, a question he asked, I believe this is a question he would ask all of us in times of sorrow. The reason being is because of his resurrection, think about this, he has banished the power of sorrow for all who trust in him. You know, it's not wrong to feel sorrow and to be sorrowful. And of course, when something tragic happens, something bad happens, it's just human to to feel sorrow and to weep. And and I don't think that there's anything at all wrong, wrong with that. But you know, some are gripped by the, the power of sorrow and, 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 and years come and go and people are still gripped by this, this, this horrible power of sorrow and, and grief. And the good news is, is that Jesus has risen from the dead and the power of his resurrection is greater than the power of sorrow. And just as Mary was weeping and, 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 and sorrowful, just in a moment's time, there was Jesus, the resurrected Lord. And that, that sorrowfulness and that heaviness of heart was instantly turned in to great joy, all because of the power of his resurrection. You know, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, yet shall he live. And so this first post-resurrection appearance of Jesus Christ shows us that we need not be conquered by sorrow. Even the sorrow of death, because he has provided us hope through his resurrection. So if you're out there today and you're sorrowful over something, I just want to tell you, hey, it's okay to feel sorrow and be sorrowful, but don't let that sorrow get a grip on your life and hold you bondage, okay? Jesus has risen from the dead, and as I've already said, I want to say it again, the power of his resurrection is greater than the power of sorrow. Of course, now, the second post-resurrection appearance, I want to take a look at that now. And this one has to do with fear. The first one, sorrow, but now this one, fear, another enemy of the heart. 
And in John chapter 20, right here in verse 19, let's continue on. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week. Now, this was the same day that Jesus had risen from the dead. This was at the evening. And uh, so this Sunday evening, uh, when the doors were shut, okay, where the disciples were assembled. So they were assembled. The doors were shut. Notice for fear of the Jews. Notice that for fear of the Jews, for fear, an enemy of the heart. See, here it is for fear. The doors were shut for fear of the Jews. Notice Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, peace be with you. Verse 20, when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad. Notice that they were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them, notice this again. He says, peace be to you. He says it twice. You know, think about it for the disciples here. Everything had been turned upside down for them. Their confidence was shaken and they had shut themselves in, fearing that they would be put to death just like Jesus had been. And, you know, in this time that we're in here now in the United States, you know, many have shut themselves in due to fear of getting infected with the coronavirus. Now, I know some have shut themselves in. We're just following the rules of the land that our the governmental authorities have asked us to, to you know, uh, shelter in place and all of that. And, and, and so, you know, we're not doing it so many out of out of fear. We're just doing it. We're following following directions as we should. Uh, but but many are so fearful. They're very fearful of the coronavirus and are they going to get infected? You know, and they're just just fearful of that fear, fearful. You know, the fear the disciples were dealing with was a test of their faith. You know, faith and fear cannot exist together. They knew the Lord had told them he would die for man's sins and be resurrected. Yet they were human, just like you and me. And they let the circumstances of the day rob them of their faith and joy. And you know, the coronavirus has done that to so many. But all of a sudden, all of a sudden, just like with Mary at the tomb, now, you know, all of a sudden there was Jesus. All of a sudden, the resurrected Christ appeared in their midst and said to them twice, peace be with you. This shows the great degree that the Lord did not want them to be fearful. That's why I think he said it twice. He did not want them to be fearful. Jesus was telling them that everything was going to be all right, that he had conquered death, hell, and the grave, and they didn't have to be afraid anymore, but they could be at rest in the peace of God. And you know that, that I believe is Jesus' same message today to us. You know, with fears of the coronavirus, as I've already said, and all the other things that are associated with it, but we need not fear because of the resurrection power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want to say this. I don't believe it's wrong to feel fear, just like I don't believe it's wrong to feel sorrow. But just as with sorrow, we don't want to be gripped with fear, and we don't want to let it control us 
We don't want to let it run our lives for us. And we don't have to because Jesus has been raised from the dead. And, you know, I think about so many times when Jesus would, uh, uh, you know, in his earthly ministry, he'd come upon people and they'd be fearful or even his disciples fearful. And again and again, he would say to them, fear not, fear not, fear not. So again, not wrong to feel fear, but just don't be gripped by the power of it because there's a greater power, the power of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. So now let's look at his third post-resurrection appearance and look at this third enemy of the human heart, which is doubt. And here in John chapter 20, let's look at verse 24. Now Thomas called the twin, one of the 12, was with them, was not with them when Jesus came. So in other words, Jesus was raised from the dead. That evening he appeared to his disciples. We just read that. But Thomas wasn't with the disciples when Jesus appeared to them uh, the night of his resurrection. Okay, so we just read about that. But Thomas wasn't with them. Now in verse 25, the other disciples therefore said to him, you know, in the process of the next days or whatever it was, they said to him, we have seen the Lord. So he said to them, notice what Thomas said to them, because he wasn't there when Jesus appeared to him there, you know, that evening of the resurrection. Here, here's what Thomas said. Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Now think about that. I mean, doubt. He was gripped by doubt. But eight days comes and goes, verse 26, after eight days, his disciples were again inside. And this time Thomas was with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst. Now, the doors being shut, there they are. Now, eight days later, they're still shut in. Well, we've been shut in longer than that. Uh, but they were still shut in, the doors being shut, and Jesus comes and stand in the midst, stood in the midst of them. You know, you know, Jesus is something else. I tell you what, you know, he and by the way, he doesn't use doors. He is the door. <laughs> and so, you know, <laughs> he doesn't use doors. He just walks right through the walls, just appears there in their midst. I, I think that's so cool. I, I just do. I, I've always thought that was so cool. Jesus doesn't use doors. He is the door, you know, <laughs> he just walks right through the wall. I, you know, his glorified body, he just walks right through the wall I, or just appears. I, I think that's so cool. But anyway, the doors being shut, Jesus is right there standing in their midst and he says, peace be to you. Well, he tells them to be at peace, but now notice this. And that's what he'd said the first time. Well, he wants us to be in peace. And verse 27, he says to Thomas, he says, reach your finger here. And look at and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it into my side. And then he says, do not be unbelieving, but believing. He's telling him, don't doubt, but have faith, be believing. And then Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. See, he believed. And then Jesus said to him, he said, Thomas, because you've seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen 
and yet have believed. You know, this post-resurrection appearance, of course, uh, of Jesus to the disciples deals with doubt, as we've already said. You know, there are many doubts in the land right now, again, with this coronavirus. You know, people are asking questions. Why is the coronavirus happening? Is it the judgment of God, which I don't personally believe it's the judgment of God, but some are asking that. Some are asking, you know, well, if it isn't the judgment of God, you know, why is God allowing it? What is this coronavirus? Why is it here? What's, what's all going on? When will it be over? When will we be able to get back out, get life back to normal? You know, many questions, many doubts going on. And, you know, doubt is the absence of faith. And, and I just want to say this, you know, doubting, asking questions, good legitimate questions. There, there's nothing wrong with asking some of the questions here that we that I just posed, but but I think we have to be very careful. I don't only really think I know we have to be very careful that we don't get gripped and overcome with doubt. It's one thing to have questions, even good legitimate questions, but we don't want to be gripped and overcome with doubt. Just like we don't want to be overcome with fear or overcome with sorrow, we don't want to be overcome with doubt. But you know, doubt is the absence of faith. And it takes faith to please God. It takes faith to receive from God. It takes faith in Jesus to be saved. And you know, the interesting thing and the really wonderful thing about this, what we just read with Thomas, is Jesus, even though Thomas had doubts, and he said, you know, unless I can see him and touch him, I'm not going to believe. Jesus did not write Thomas off. But out of great love, he appeared to him so that he would no longer be conquered by doubt, but that the doubts in his heart would be changed into that of faith and belief. Jesus didn't write Thomas off. He won't write you and me off either if we have doubts. He's a good God. But you know, Thomas beheld the Lord and touched his touched him and saw him and all of that, and he called him Lord and God. And again, you know, it's good that Thomas went from a position of doubt to a position of faith. I just want to say it again. It's not wrong to have doubts, but it is wrong to remain in a state of doubt. It is wrong to, to let doubt get a grip on your heart. And Thomas did for a while, but of course, the power of the resurrection. There it is again, the power of the resurrection. Just as it overcame sorrow, just as, as it overcomes fear, it will overcome the power of doubt. The power of the resurrection overcomes the power of doubt. And this appearance to Thomas, think of it, this appearance to Thomas took one who is known as the doubter, doubting Thomas, and made him one of the greatest voices for proving the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And this post-resurrection appearance of Christ, this one here, dealt a tremendous blow to doubt. So whatever your doubts may be today, Jesus has given you the victory over them through the power of his resurrection. So I want to encourage you to make a decision today not to doubt. Thomas got to see Jesus, 
But Jesus said that there was a special blessing to all, to all those who have not seen and yet have believed. And, you know, God declares in the Bible to people who had doubts and who to people who did not understand all the things that were going on. And he would say, have faith, have faith. And Jesus, during his earthly ministry, would say to people, you know, even his disciples, don't doubt, but only believe and have faith in God. So, again, whatever you're going through today, whatever the doubts may be, again, I don't believe it's wrong to have questions and maybe have, have some doubts about things. But but don't whatever you do, don't stay in that position of doubt. It's not OK to stay in that position of doubt that place of doubt. Know that Jesus has been raised from the dead and the power, the great mighty power of his resurrection overcomes any doubts that you or I may have in our hearts. And then finally, in his fourth post-resurrection appearance that we're talking about here today, the enemy of the heart is worry. 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 Has anybody out there ever worried besides me? Uh, you know, I've never seen worry do me any good. I've never seen it do anybody any good. Uh, I heard one person say one time, worrying is like paying interest on a loan that you may never need to borrow in the first place. It's never done anybody any good, but it's something that we all deal with, with all of us is worry, anxiety, and those sorts of things, you know, that, that sort of thing. Something we all deal with. It's an, en it's an enemy of the heart, just like these other three things we've talked about. So in John 21, let's look at, at this enemy of the heart, worry, John 21, verse 1. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to his disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And in this way, he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twins, so Thomas was there, Nathaniel, and uh, two others of his disciples. So let's see, Simon was there, Thomas was there, Nathaniel, uh, the sons of Zebedee, so James and John were there, and two other of the disciples were together, so they were out there at the sea. And Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to, to him, well, we're go going with you also. And they went out and immediately got in the boat. And that night they caught nothing. Notice they caught nothing. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore. Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? And they answered him, no, well, they didn't have any food. Think about that. That's why they were out fishing. They didn't have any food. Think about that. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find. And so they cast, and now they were not able to draw the net in because of the multitude of fish. And in verse 9, then as soon as they had come to land, now they get to land, got all these fish in the net, and they saw a fire of coals there and fish laid on it and bread. Now notice when they get up to Jesus, he's already got fish there 
and bread. They hadn't even used any of their fish yet. <laughs> He's got fish and bread. Think about that. Somebody asked me one time who who made the, who got the fish and the bread ready. I don't know. Maybe Jesus. I mean, he he may have done it. He's got a lot of angels. I don't know. But anyway, he has fish and bread there for them. And in verse twelve, one of the one of, just a great verse. He says, "Jesus said to them, Come and dine. Come and dine.' Well, I like that. That's what he's saying to you and me and any who'll believe in him." Come and dine. You know, this fishing that the disciples were doing was not for sport. They they didn't go out there just for sport that day. You know, I, I mean, these guys were were fishermen before Jesus came along. They had a fishing business, and uh, that's how they made their living. And this wasn't just for sport. Uh, they they didn't have any food. Okay. And so uh, this was a means to make a living for the, for themselves and their families. They needed something to eat. They hadn't caught anything. and uh, But they didn't know how they were going to provide for their families. And, you know, you think about what's going on in our country right now. I don't know if you've watched any of the news lately, but there's a lot of uh, long lines, people waiting, you know, and, and long lines on the highway. People are backing up the highway for miles, sitting in their cars, waiting to, you know, to get to the, to, the, to the food bank where they can get some food. Think about that. Just think about that. Think about that. And uh, just like the disciples, they didn't have any food in this case right here. Same was going on in our country with a lot of people. You know, if you think about the disciples, three and a half years prior to what we just read about, you know, is when Jesus came into their lives. And for three and a half years, they worked in his ministry. And they always had provision. But now, during this difficult time, Jesus, you know, had, had, had died. He'd risen from the dead. You know, he'd appeared to them. And all of that's wonderful, but they still have to eat. They still have to provide for their families. It's been, you know, from my study of it, it's been many days now since he's appeared to them. They've got to make a living. You know, the bills go on. They've got to make a living. It's a difficult time. And if you think about it, the disciples had temporarily lost their jobs. I mean, they they were working for Jesus for the last three and a half years, give or take, you know, and now they've temporarily lost their jobs. And now they, they went back to what they were doing before Jesus had first called them into the ministry. And, uh, and notice uh, they'd fished all night and caught nothing. They fished all night and caught nothing. And similar had, similar thing had happened to him three and a half years earlier, you know. Uh, they, remember when Jesus showed up and they they were out there fishing, they caught nothing, you know. And similar instance, you can go back and read it. And, uh, and you know, Peter was there with the nets and Jesus told him to go cast out the, the nets and he, he didn't want to do it. And then he went and put one net down and it had so many, so many fish, he didn't know what to do with them. But anyway... But the point here is, is that they temporarily, I mean, they temporarily lost their jobs. How are they? They had no food. What are they going to do? And they fished all night. They, 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 they just imagine what was going through their heads. How are, how are we going to put food on the table? How are we going to provide for our families? But when morning came, thank God morning came, the resurrected Christ stood on the shore asking them if they had any food. 
In this statement, Jesus was directly was directly addressing their livelihood. In essence, Jesus was saying, do you, uh, do you know how you're going to care for your families? He was asking them a question. And their answer was no. They, they didn't know how they were going to take care of themselves or families. And, but, but when Jesus said, cast your net on the right side of the ship and you will find, which they did, uh, they, they had so many fish, they, they didn't know what to do with, with them all. And then Jesus said to them, he said, once they got up on the, on the seashore there, said, come and dine. You know, he, he wasn't inviting them to an empty table, but he was telling them, I can provide for you. I will take care of you. And, and he's saying the same thing to you and me today, no matter what our circumstance. You may be out there listening to me and maybe you've lost your job. Maybe you've been furloughed, whatever the case. And it's a difficult time. But I tell you what, I've got good news for you. Jesus has been risen from the dead. He's alive and well. And just as he provided for his disciples, he'll provide for you. He said to them, come and dine. And he'll say the same thing and is saying the same thing to you. Come and dine. So this post-resurrection appearance of Jesus Christ tells us we need not worry, fret, or be anxious about things, no matter what the problems in life we face, because he's already handled the situation and made the provision. We just must trust in him. You know, Philippians chapter four, verse six says, be anxious for nothing, but in all circumstances, be prayerful and thankful. So we see that through the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, God has dealt lethal blows to the greatest enemies of the heart, sorrow, fear, doubt, and worry. Though we may be sorrowful, fearful, doubting, or worried, let us not let those things get a hold of us and hold us under their power, but let us be free from them knowing that Jesus has risen from the dead and he has given us great hope and great victory. And you know, as I close, there's a song. Now, don't worry, I'm not going to sing. <sighs> don't worry about it, I won't sing. But uh, but there's a song. Uh, well, I start singing, the dogs in the neighborhood start barking. So I won't sing. But uh, there's a song that, goes like this, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. And notice, not only is all fear gone, but sorrow is gone, doubt is gone, and worry is gone. And the song goes on, because I know he holds the future, and life is worth the living just because he lives. So I'm glad that Jesus has conquered the power of sorrow, fear, doubt, and worry. Enemies of the heart. I tell you what, if you have Jesus in your heart, you don't have to worry about those four terrible enemies. Well, I trust this has been a blessing to you today. Again, I miss you all, and I look forward to being, being together with you in person sooner rather than later. 
Again, this is our Sunday uh, uh, service. And uh, a, a, before I go here, I just want to remind you that we have online giving at summitchurch.us. You can go there for that information. Uh, you can text to give or you can give using a check. We have a P.O. box and it will be right around where my sermon is. It'll be there for you either on YouTube or on Facebook for you to get that information. Uh, if, if you feel the, the Lord's leading you to uh, 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 give towards uh, Summit Church. OK, and I appreciate everyone's faithfulness in their giving. It's a great blessing. So I love you. I appreciate you. And, um, and and I trust this was helpful to you today. So let's close with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your goodness and your mercy. I thank you that, that you're with the people, that you're comforting the people. And I'm so thankful that you have provided victory for us through your resurrection over these enemies of the heart that we talked about today, sorrow, fear, doubt, and worry. And sir, I pray over the tithes and the offerings, and I uh, ask you to bless the people as they give. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, guys, I'll see you this Wednesday. We're going to continue with uh, the study of the end times, so I'll, I'll see you then. All right, God bless you. Bye-bye.